Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Mitch. And I'm DM Chris. And I'm DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac. And today we are celebrating episode 200 of the DMB finally coming. It's here, and we're jumping right in with one of your favorite series creation and inspiration we're doing three episodes of top tens one from each of us today we thought it would be only appropriate since chris's triumphant return to start it all off kick it all off with chris's top 10 no so pressure whatsoever to, no pressure at all oh yeah there's, there's none on me there's none on mitch it's great <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, because everything. Well, because this is just gonna suck. So everything you guys do is just gonna be like, great. We're we're redeeming the show. We just have to do like mediocre, and it'll look amazing. I just meant so. that I didn't have to do anything to prepare for this. But no, I like oh, your, oh, your gotcha. thoughts too. <laughs> that too. There you go. Yeah. So I'm really excited to hear Chris's top tens shared. I hope you are as well. Before we jump into top tens, though, I want to let you know that after our three episodes featuring all of our top tens. We're going to have another special episode celebrating 200 episodes. This time, we're asking for questions from you, the listener. We're going to be doing a special AMA episode. Write in your questions to our email, to our Twitter feed, however you want to get in touch with us. Ask me, Chris, and Neil anything you want. It can be about D&D, other geeky things, whatever you want. We're going to have an episode completely devoted to answering your questions. But for now, before we jump into the meat, Neil, I believe we have a five-star review to give a shout-out to. We do. And this comes to us from The Silver Walnut, entitled Deserves All the Stars. Surprise, they gave us five, which is all of them. I heard recently that there were no more five-star reviews for you all to shout out on your podcast. That is ridiculous. I've been listening since I started as a DM, and this podcast has gotten me out of so many instances of writer's block, some may even say DM's block, giving me inspiration Ah. and great ideas to make my campaigns engaging and exciting again. This is my first review I've ever written online, and it is fitting that it's going to the podcast that has been with me from my infant days of being a DM. Thanks for all the great content, and I love their twist on it. Never stop dungeon mastering. Nice. Fantastic. Nice. Love it. Well, without any further ado, I hope you're ready, because now we're heading to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? The flat meat's back on the menu, boys. So for the meat today, as you know, we're going back, hearkening back, if you will, to honestly what we feel is one of the favorite things for you, the listener. It's our creation and inspiration episodes, and we thought it would be great to start off with DM Chris, again, because then Mitch and I don't have to do any additional work other than show up. And yeah, I'm trying to think of what else to say about creation and inspiration other than Chris, what's your number 10? Ooh. We're ready to get inspired. All right. <laughs> These are always hard because, like, sometimes when you go through them, 
you realize at the end that the ideas that I'm sure you guys are going to play off of, my top 10 is going to be so drastically different at the end. Like, I wish I could rearrange them in my head mm. now. Um, so anyways, this is, this is my number 10. All right. So a child goes missing in a city. Starts out like any sort of story. This happens regularly in fantasy worlds, I'm sure. But then this child <laughs> so comes sad. back. All right, so child sad. goes missing. So, like, sad. Eh, so sad. Whatever, just another Tuesday. <laughs> just another Tuesday. <laughs> Anyways, this child comes back after people are searching for him frantically and starts talking about how there's a city under the city that's the same city as this one but slightly different. But he cannot remember how to get back there, but some of the things that he saw were concerning to him. That's the idea. And what do the adventurers, adventurers do with that is left up to whatever the DM wants to create. But that was an adventure hook for my number 10. I mean, like, my first initial thought is that the how this child presents this when co- he or she comes back it might might just get blown off to be honest like because typically like a, a kid is going to have less like weight in his his or her word like they might just think sure. oh you you wandered off and like you were making up stories as you returned. Like, where did you really go? What did you really like do? Like, so I I could see like this kid like talking to one of the adventurers and just being like, "There's a city under this city," and and the adventurers would be like, "All right, kid, <laughs> let me get back to the t- my tavern drink." Like, yeah. Well, then, but does he roll up a sleeve or she roll up a sleeve and yeah. show that she's been marked in some way? Yeah. That's different than anything they've ever seen before. Yeah, or that a maybe child would you normally have. Yeah, or maybe like you walk, you leave that place that you encountered that that kid, and you hear that story, and everybody, including your players, are kind of brushing it off. Maybe even as a DM, you you make it seem like something they should brush off that it's just a silly little kid. But then, yeah, you mm-hmm. drop some sort of clue uh, a session later. That makes all the player characters be like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. was what that kid saying true? So I've been quiet because I liked your serious and thoughtful answer. Because my first thought was, so Chris has just been watching Futurama and this is old New York and it's just a <laughs> bunch of mutants. See, I've never watched Futurama, so there's, so there's no way that could be what I was thinking about. Oh, that's awesome. Because in... <laughs> In this, this does work. It, well, it will be marginally more serious. But the idea that there is a town underneath the town that the campaign is in, but it's like fully fleshed out, and there right. are actually creatures or people living down there. So yeah, apparently it's not to Futurama at all. <laughs> <laughs> not, not at all. Okay, your number nine. So my number nine is it's just more of an. Uh, it's not an it's not necessarily an adventure hook, but it could create a whole bunch of crazy things that happen because of it. So daytime just disappears altogether. It's just gone. And it's just purely night all the time. If you have a moon in your world, it's still reflect reflecting light down, but there's no sun anymore, no source of light. It's still warm, but it's just dark all the time. Oh, that's weird that it doesn't affect the temperature. Uh, or maybe any other element besides it's just dark like that because that that's a direction that it could go in that it's like oh it's 
like all of a sudden things are colder and the world's going to start being messed up because if there's no sun, then that's, I mean, scientifically that's just going to make the world die. But in a fantasy world, what if it just, it's literally just the absence of, of the sun's light. That's strange. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eight minutes is all we'd have if the actual sun was (laughs) like, yeah, I'm not here anymore. Right. But the long-term effects is something else I was thinking of. Yeah. Is short term it's really not going to change anything I, I i have no idea how long it would take but eventually one side would just start to get colder and one side would start to get hotter and then is it long term that now you just have this weird strip in the middle where everyone exists because the other two sides are uninhabitable i mean and obviously the question is why right. is this happening yeah in a right. fantasy world yeah, the question of why like i i mean i can imagine like every every priest and every cleric and every paladin like just lamenting and wondering what what did we as a world do wrong to deserve this and what can we do to return the light in the sky back to its place the idea that i was going to go with was like what if you know neil you said 8 minutes and then we would all you know be toast the opposite of toast frozen toast i guess <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, what would happen if it was just the sun that was gone, but heat still continued on, and it felt like day, and felt like night, and everything was still the same, but, like, plants are kind of dependent upon Mm. sun for everything, you know? So heat is still a thing, but people are starting to run out of oxygen in places where there's not a lot of plants, you know? And they can't photosynthesis, and they start to slowly die, but people are still here, and now there's this crazy escape plan of like how the heck do we get out of here to somewhere else because it's still heated normal but we can't breathe anymore you know and we're slowly running out of that like all of the ramifications that happen because of that is just really intriguing for me to watch a watch a civilization just implode in on itself because there's no light but it's still heat and like how do people worry at different levels it there's just a ton of stuff that could be really fun to play with well the no um, the like worry idea. about plants like made me think of well what if you could go two ways with that and say that the campaign is maybe an expedition to the underdark to bring back uh plants that don't need light to the surface because yeah. now we need to like that's the problem that needs to be fixed or it just goes the other way and all of a sudden the underdark and the inhabitants of the underdark are like hey service world ain't so bad anymore time to time to go up up there and it's time for us to take over and so the underdark just yeah. spills over into the surface world Ooh, because yeah. the light of the surface world was is is for most creatures the thing that's kind of holding them back it's just uncomfortable to be in the sunlight but if that's gone yeah. now You've got Drow and Dwarger and and even uh, friendlier creatures like Smurf Neblin, like that are able to come up and start expanding their territory. Well, and did the Underdark have something to do with it? Mm. You know, like did they like did they have a big? I can't even remember the item's name from Harry Potter, but that steals the light. You know, they have a massive one of those oh, delim- that stole the light out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Deluminator, that's what it is. Did they have a massive one of those? We don't figure that out for a really long time until somebody from the Underdark is captured and you get that information out of it. And then there's a whole adventure to go and hmm. get this massive Deluminator to put the light back in its rightful place. 
which then could be the entire thing that ends the war that has now happened because the Underdark is trying to come up and take over. Crazy. Yeah, part of part of it was thinking about like a journey to the center of the Earth because another concept is that the Earth in your world stopped spinning, which mm. is all kinds of bad in yeah, terms of like right. how gravity functions and just everything functions. So maybe it's this literal journey to the center of the Earth to find out what's wrong and restart it. Yeah. And then you get to the center of the earth and you're like, oh, there's a sun here. Perfect. We'll just take this one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just deluminate this one and bring it up to the surface. Nothing Great. bad can happen. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. So that was my number nine. Perfect. Which means, Chris, what is your number eight? All right. So my number eight is you are on an adventure with your group and all of a sudden one of your party members recognizes someone who's long been dead, either from their family or a friend or somebody that they know there's no possible way that they should be seeing them right now. This figure who's in front of them remembers everything, remembers who they are, the fun times that they had together, but nobody else can see that person. But that person that sees the person that's undead, or not undead, but actually in front of them, is 100% convinced that they're real in front of them, but nobody else can see them. So... You you let it slip the undead. So did you think? Were you thinking kind of? No, this that was, a was ghost? just a slip. I wasn't thinking. Okay. I wasn't thinking undead or a ghost. I was thinking like this person in front of them is actually real, but nobody else can see them, hear them, feel them, except for that person that's in front of them. So I'll just I'll take it off. That of they that. I'll take it off of that then. Um, so I I think for me the first thing that I think about is um, a spirit, and maybe and that's something that. I think probably most players would try to figure out pretty quick. Can I touch? Can I touch this person? Like, or does my hand just go through it? Like, I feel like once it once it stated nobody else is seeing them, that's going to be probably the first thought. But um, with with ghosts, I always think of the ghost lore that their spirits can attach themselves to certain objects or places. So I guess, one, maybe this is a ghost that is attached to an item that that player is carrying, or why not have it be attached to a person? Because perhaps they have unfinished business with that person uh, that is seeing them, and that's the only reason why that's the person that can, is the only person that can see this spirit. Yeah, one of my things, well, two things that came up and then we'll move away because I don't really like either of them (laughs) is it made me think of, (laughs) I'm just being honest, uh, since eight in Netflix, where it's the eight people that were born at the exact same second. So they're all connected in this very interesting way. Oh, sure. The other thought was some magical means. So I was I finished watching all of the Dragon Prince, also on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Um, And so then there's a connection between two of the characters there. But my thought was the scale that you want this to be at because it does shine a big spotlight on an individual character. And I thought how much more interesting would it be that it happens to a second character? Right. So you're having these these really weird conversations with this one character and kind of these side whispers and then it happens to someone else. But then does that second person see yeah. both of them? Do they only see their own? And just so it expands out so that it's not so much focus on one character for an extended portion of time. 
Yeah, well, then you're even getting into... Do you guys remember the show? I think it was called The Return that ABC tried to do for a little while where people from the town that had long been dead like slowly started coming back yep. to life. Oh, yep. You remember that? But like nobody can see them, and even if that person was killed again, they still came back to this one town, you know? And like, yeah, what if that slowly started happening? Because in that show, it started with just one person, and then it was like hundreds of people started coming back slowly. And it's like just this weird moment of like, why, if we're going with the spirit thing, are all of a sudden they coming back, but only one person can see them? Is yeah. this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Can we trust them, even though they're here and want to be kind and friendly to us, it seems? Or you take that a step farther with your thought process through that and go, all right, well, this is the first encounter you're having. But then as you're traveling closer to this, wherever you're traveling, a town, a city, whatever, uh, the next player sees another person that, again, same story, you know is dead. But at the same time, right. like they don't seem dead, but only one PC can see them. And you could have this happen multiple times to the point where each character is like seeing people from their past and uh, maybe maybe there's a connection to like, oh, well, we're only seeing people from our past. Or maybe it's like a mixture of like, well, why are you seeing my father? Why am I not seeing oh, my yeah. father? And like, is it something to do with the area they're in? That this is some magic that uh, happens? Or, I mean, in the end, it could also be a trick, right? It could be a, uh, some sort of illusion that some god or wizard or whatever is playing on these adventures. But yeah, mm. what an interesting I thing to to happen i mean role playing would certainly be be a, a there'd be so many weird role playing opportunities that would be have the door opened for this to yeah. be happening well i think that's an interesting idea that you said of like what if somebody's father that's in the party can only be seen by somebody who mm. is not their child and like they're talking about this person that's like in front of them and they can see them and one of the pcs is finally like are you talking to my dad like what in the like what sort of interesting moments would that create for your players if everybody started having that happening where somebody's family member was attaching themselves to somebody else in the party and that might create some tor turmoil too like why is my dad yeah. appearing to you not me right, like right. what like there might be a lot of anger there there might be some like in party fighting which of course <laughs> you always want to totally. make sure is done in the right way but like yeah right yeah. My thought would be have that be purely random, that maybe these spirits are connected some way to their relative. And then, okay, two ideas I had. One is that it's a distance thing. So the person that died the farthest away from one of the party members will be the last mm. one to show up. But mm. once they get close enough to where they're supposed to be, literally just randomly roll and say, mm. You're con this person is connected to here because they got close enough, but by mishap or whatever so yeah. it could be that one per and then just the idea of like okay so character a their father connects to character b but then character c like their mom connects to them <laughs> and it's like what wait what why is this happening i don't totally mm -hmm. i don't get what happens yeah yep perfect but that means chris what is your number seven all right so along the same lines as people returning from the dead a formerly once great army that vanished at sea returns to the land that they once called home 500 years later and nothing is the same fantastic <laughs> i feel like this is like is this inspired from a tv show i feel like this 
<laughs> no, it's not. Feel- not that I know. I literally came up with these on my drive to work one day, so I had nothing in front of me <laughs> to watch or be inspired by. I mean, the idea of a of some characters probably like we've I think feel I feel like we've talked about like PCs traveling through time and this happening to to player characters before on the show but like whether you put your PCs in this army or this is something that happens and your PCs are able to experience it and talk to this army like this is a whole army uh, that has disappeared and is returning and yeah I mean I as a playable character my first question would be i'd want to ask them like where did you go what happened did you go somewhere else like or or did they just lose time but if they lost time i i guess i would throw out the other option of do they return to the city that they came from or do they show up 500 years too late to the battle that they 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 were supposed to go to and try to ransack a city that is like 500 years later when they have like peace treaties and things like that going on like they could really just yeah that would be interesting throw a loop for how these two nations have developed for 500 years when all of a sudden like flags and banners are coming over the hill for an army and the one nation is like what the heck like we've had we haven't fought with them for so long that's a really interesting idea i like that a lot well, and all those, the likelihood that all of these people are displaced, too. Yeah. Like, where is home? Like, where do they get to have home is, is another really big conversation. Do they start, I mean, in a way, do they start their own land? Do they restart the land that they came from? Because it's 500 years. It could easily just not exist mm. at right. all. Yeah. Like, it could be, it could be a long forgotten nation at that point. Yeah. And if this was an army that was supposed to go and fight an important battle and they just disappeared, that could be the cause of that nation not being around anymore. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because they were just defenseless and then just got taken over because they had no idea if that was ever going to come back. And then and then you have to have wizards and historians and clerics of gods like getting together and having these discussions in your world about like okay this is a very strange occurrence but the thing that maybe we need to be asking ourselves is can this happen again because this this caused waves throughout our history in the way that the world powers who was a world power what happens next time that an entire army or an entire city gets displaced from time how is this going to affect yeah. us? Is there a way that we can get to the bottom of this so we can stop this from ever happening again? Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking, because it, it sounds like our conversation is going one way, and maybe you guys have thought of it as well, but what if the players are part of this fleet? Yeah, Mitch had mentioned that really briefly, but mm-hmm. we hadn't touched on that okay, yet yeah. as a potential because aspect. That sounds like a lot of fun. Of like, okay, you're, we've arrived we clearly see this is not what we're expecting and the players are the group that are on kind of the rowboat to go figure out what's going on. It's a really fresh idea for starting an adventure. Like, so what do you do for, uh, you know, a creation yeah, night? That's what I was just thinking. like, Hey, we have all of these backstories and then it's just like, 
none of them matter. You present to them a world 500 years in the in I mean in the present, but what you know is going to be 500 years in the past or like you jump ahead even further in time and all of a sudden you have like muskets being used and yeah. like oh man, what to for your players to go into a campaign I, like I could see that being done poorly that players feel like you just pulled the rug out from underneath them being like this is not what you told us this adventure was going to be but right, i could right. see some players really being like oh my gosh this is not what we were told that this was going to be and this is such a crazy thing for us to deal with yeah. in, a, in a good way yeah or is the entire campaign then like trying to figure out what happened so that they can go back in yeah. time because they wanted to experience that entire backstory so is it so this is interesting it might not be an entire campaign but is it like five or six of the first sessions mm. in order to get back where then they don't take their backstory for granted anymore because you've helped them become emotionally attached to it and now they can live into that a little bit more that they're back where they were supposed to be i mean i know if i was one of these pcs my first thing would be i'd want to be like what like we were going off to fight this important battle what happened to my my home? What happened to my family? Mm -hmm. And then, like, if you then go and find out, like, first of all, like, you're gonna go and you're gonna talk to a historian. They're they're gonna be like, if this is if this is true, if you're really from this time, you recognize that everybody that you know is dead, right? And like, you're gonna be like, of course I do. But then to find out in the history books that your homeland was like taken over and many people were killed in in battle. Um, because there wasn't an army to defend them yet. Yeah, like you're going to want to get back. You're going to want to like save your family because even though they've been quote unquote dead for a thousand years or whatever, like they're still, they're still your family and you're going, yeah, but does time mean anything at this point? Like, can we get back? Can we change this? Yeah. Great. I love are we, it. Are we on number six now? I can't remember. We are at number six okay. now. Okay, great. All right, so guys, my number six one is this. Uh, a giant sinkhole swallows a third of a city. It's deep, and no one can see the bottom. They can't hear anything. They can't smell anything. It's just a massive sinkhole. They walk up, try dropping things down, can't hear anything. But it's not like they could just fill it back in. They now have this massive sinkhole that's just in their city. So what caused it? What are they going to do about it? Who knows? It could be a really interesting adventure hook to start something off. So, is it the entire city in your thought process, or is it no, part just of the like city? a third, of, like a third of the city? Okay, I mean that's still that's still that's still a lot of lives. That's still a huge area of land, a third of a city. Like, and you threw out that idea of like, well, you know, they can't just fill it in or whatever. But I wonder if through some magical means, um, somebody decides to cast a spell just to see maybe it's a spell that allows them to know whether someone is alive or dead and they use it to find out if someone who is supposed to be in that third of a city is alive or dead and they figure out that they're alive and they go all right well mm, let me try another yeah. person and they're also alive and they continue to go and everybody that seemingly was in this part of the city is still alive you're not going to want to fill it in, right? Because you go, uh, right. are they down there? Are they somewhere else? Like, how, again, is there a well, way Well, how did they get... survive yeah. if they can't see or hear the bottom? Yeah, well, and then you alive? go, then I think if you're talking about what the adventure is, um, my PC is going to go, 
it's time to go on an expedition. Like, let's get some really, really long rope because <laughs> we're going down. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, I think it would be pretty fun to do that at a little bit of a higher level when you start having access to either magical means or whatever to just fly or totally basically get your feather fall ring and just jump. Also, obviously, this ties back to number 10, and nobody believed that little boy, mm. but he was right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's so oh, good. that's interesting. What a good tie-in. <laughs> yeah. The little boy just shows up at the sinkhole and is like, see, I told you. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what he was warning them of, is that yeah. they were doing something that was going to cause that to happen. Oh, man. Yeah, and the little boy's just like, ha, ha, I told you. <laughs> oh, I mean, we're, we're saying that, but it could also be the twist that that is like, the BBEG. Yeah. The little oh, and boy. then he just uh, disappears into like uh-huh. a little spiral of smoke or something. Ooh. Oh, what do you mean? Jumps off into the oh, hole. Man. Oh, jumps off and gives a peace sign and mm-hmm. sticks his tongue out at him. Yeah. And, well, and he has be to, before, the, before he does that, he has to say, um, the rest of your city will fall under the same, like, catastrophe. You have 30 days. And then jump, jump down, right? Like. Has to oh, give gosh. that like scary like give the give the ominous hey you've got to come yeah. after me sort yeah. of thing yeah mm-hmm. that's cool way to tie that in Neil that's fantastic yeah all right we're halfway there halfway and that means Chris what is your number five so my number five is there's an animal that appears that is obviously alien in nature uh, that appears on the planet and shows up to your adventurers and becomes very friendly and attaches himself to them. It doesn't leave, but all of a sudden you hear these weird rumblings around the world that there is somebody looking for this creature. And everywhere this person goes, there's destruction following them. The person that is looking for the creature. Yeah, the person that's looking for the creature either has an army or has people coming after this creature. But it's a creature nobody's ever seen before. It's not home to this world in any way shape or form that the players know of but apparently it is stinking important i i I like the idea of this creature not being like at least seemingly super intelligent so that it makes Mm. it a little bit hard to like protect it like this is the kind of creature that maybe like it's all right like maybe it's kind of like a baby yoda situation right or a baby like creature that it's just like oh, sure. it'll it'll wander off it like it you're like oh we need to keep this thing a secret and while you and your group are huddling and saying we need to keep this thing a secret this creature is like wandering off into the middle of town and trying to like eat yeah. like from the hands of this the <laughs> citizens oh, there chicky nuggies <laughs> but then just like a baby yoda situation there's a moment where all of a sudden not to do harm, but because this is a super powerful creature, it lets off some sort of force or magical power. Or it could even be a benevolent thing, um, like that it's able to bless or turn turn metal into gold or something like that. Just have some sort of crazy power that if there's this moment of, oh my gosh, this is this is why they're hunting for this. The other thing I thought was that the creatures searching for it are also alien hmm. mm. like a bunch of gift yankee or something like that yeah that's exactly with their what airships like flying over cities and i mean that's mm-hmm. you don't get much more alien in a D world than gift yankee ships floating over your city yeah yeah, yeah. right it, well uh, hopefully well i mean there's a couple ways that we've talked about it before because you could definitely start the campaign 
at a lower level, knowing that that's coming and then in your mind having the place your players need to be at before they have that big confrontation. But I wonder if it's some kind of creature that can help them forge the swords for the Githyanki. Because that's a super big thing. And if they can't do that anymore, then like, what does that entire race of people do? (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, tying it in with something that like, if they don't have this creature, for whatever reason this creature tried to escape, it's super intelligent, it knows. Because it tried to escape, it's trying to be on the run, but this civilization can't really exist without it. So yeah, then your players are caught like in this really big conundrum. Like it's so to go off of the sword example, the Gith Yankee aren't really here to take over. They're just here for this animal. Mm-hmm. They'll leave you alone if you give them the animal. But you also know like this animal's trying to escape, and like why is it trying to escape? Are there reasons that the players would not want to give this back? And then it's a big galactic war of some kind because of it. That's fascinating to me. Done. I like it. Which means, Chris, what is your number four? So my number four is players wake up one morning and people who were once their neighbors or shop owners or whatever it are still look the same, but they no longer have the same memories of who the players are. They remember like the faces and they remember the names, but everything they talk about, like the things that happened yesterday with them or what happened weeks ago or months ago, none of it's the same. Some people are still the same. Some people are different. They remember different things. And I'm trying to figure out why. I de- immediately took the role of a player. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, right. But even like, I mean, so pretend that lords and ladies and people that are in positions of power are no longer the same too. And they have different memories of how things have happened. And they come into a city now and it's like... Okay, everything's completely different. And nothing's the same anymore. So, like, different people have different memories. Yeah, or is it a multiverse thing where all of a sudden some people have switched places with other people in a multiverse? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, that something weird got screwed up and now nobody's in the same place. Chris, every single, like, thing that you've done is just taking people away from their families. You're such a, a homewrecker. Like, even you're like, no, no, they still have their husband, but that's not their husband. Hey, that's their other multiverse I, I will say, husband. I will say the last three have nothing to do with that. So it'll be totally on you guys to skew them in that way. Uh, I guess that's true. Okay. I'm skewing it. Well, we'll make sure. We'll make sure. Okay, great. How do you fix that? Obviously, you have to figure out, as the person running the game, why that happened. and then, Or do you fix it? Can you fix I mean, it? Or does this just yeah, my, completely, again, affect the dynamic of your world? And Well, that, yeah, and like you're saying, that's the big thing is, is, is this the campaign or is this the campaign setting? And the, sure. like, yeah. those are the two different things. Because I kind of like the idea of just the whole world just being in this weird sense of disarray. Yeah, the thing I was thinking about is, like, does it happen three or four times? And then all of a sudden, everything's back to the way that it was. And now people are like, is this going to happen again? Mm-hmm. Are we good? Like, it's kind of remembered as this, like, really weird event that people are always we- wary of happening again. And then that's maybe when the adventure starts. It's like, okay, why did that happen? You know? So it's not a it's not a constant state of chaos. Like, because I think that would be really hard to run 
for somebody as a as a dungeon master and for players it would get really chaotic and but what say it happens for four days in a row different people are showing up your pcs go to different places whatever it might be and then everybody's back to where they were everything's the same but everybody remembers this weird thing happened oh man that's a lot of fun between uh sessions having one-on-one discussions with each of your players about how weird things are yeah and then when they come back to the session they're not that way anymore right i like it although let's all be honest with each other you everyone listening has the two players they know won't respond but, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. totally. Oh, it's normal totally. <laughs> yeah okay so but, what else you got for us <laughs> all right number three all right number three uh a giant 50-foot spear falls from the sky and crashes into the ground just outside of town. Oh, man. Anytime anyone touches it, they disappear. I guess this one has some homewrecking mm-hmm. tendencies, too. Oh, we didn't even have man. to do anything. Yeah, I didn't even have to do it. Dang it, I didn't read too far into my notes. I wrote them like three days ago. Shoot. <laughs> I was immediately going to have it be like, oh, no, the old hermit who lives just outside of town. Yeah. <laughs> right. Grandpa. So, giant 50-foot spear falls, sticks in the ground. Anyone who touches it disappears. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> and, like, well, my so, my like, immediate person... thought as somebody who lives in that city is, um, did they mean to hit us? <laughs> like, are <laughs> yeah. they throwing another spear soon? But, it, yeah, it looks just like a spear that somebody you might see carrying around to defend either their farm or a part of the army. But it's 50 feet tall. In a lot of settings in D&D, there are acts of gods that affect the world. And that would be my thought, is that somehow this is the battle of gods that has Mm -hmm. now affected the material plane. That it is literally an errant spear that has fallen, and now everyone that touches it, I can almost see like this cult forming around it, and then like the assumption that I will ascend by touching it. I don't know that that's what happens yeah. to the people, but that is the assumption. And then there's the like basically the cult of the spear, like forming around. Yeah, the that's interesting. Because yeah, like nobody ever comes. Like pretend fifty years later, nobody ever comes for it. It's just still there. They can't touch it because they'll disappear. But it's just there, and it never deteriorates. It doesn't fall over. It's just there outside of the city. I love that idea that it's <laughs> like mortals are like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Like. Let's get together every single priest of every single god. Let's examine this. Let's cast lots. We've got to commune with the spirits. We've got to figure out the meaning of this. And I love, Neil, that you're just like, yeah, it was just a a, a miss from, like, gods are fighting. Uh-huh. And it just <laughs> hit the earth. And, and yeah. and Whoopsies. Then, <laughs> like, there isn't meaning behind it as far as the context that these mortals are trying to figure out. Um, I mean, there is meaning in the fact that it's like, oh man, so when gods fight, like we could all just get completely obliterated. Like that's scary. But mm, I think that yeah. the mortals would be like, what, what is, what is going on? What is the meaning here? And to be like, nah, not really. That's not really the question you should be ans- asking. But then, yeah, the idea of like ascending to, to me, I think of like, if gods are fighting, the fact uh, of like in D&D lore, you can only actually kill a god if they are in their plane of existence. So I wonder if sure. this is a god weapon infused with some sort of magic to 
that was supposed to hit us another God, the other God enemy to send them back to their plane of existence where maybe an ambush was waiting for them. Uh, and so oh, anybody sure. who's touching the spear is getting sent to fill in the blank plane of existence where this, this God is from. It could be a good place. It could be a much less than, than good place, but Oh man, that's uh yeah, that disappearing thing. And that might that might even be where the adventure starts is your PCs all decide, you know, you have this this surrounding uh line of towns guard or city guard now being like no no no, don't you can't get close, you'll you'll be gone forever. <laughs> and yeah. the leader of the city like is looking for heroes that are brave enough to go where few have gone before and try to figure this out. You may die, but that is a sacrifice I am willing to make. <laughs> good, good quote, good quote. <laughs> is that Shrek, That's right, Shrek. Lord Farquaad? <laughs> yep, you got it. <laughs> well, on that note, Chris, what is your number two? So my number two is that every night at the same time, there's a great rumbling throughout the city. There's a loud bang. And then there's a bright blue light that slowly ascends up from the ground, engulfs the city for about 10 minutes, and then just slowly goes back down into the ground. Doesn't do anything to the city, doesn't hurt anyone. It just kind of happens every so often. Nobody knows why, but it's just kind of annoying. <laughs> and so the city of Rave Town was created. <laughs> <laughs> and with it each time your loved one disappears <laughs> yeah, great awesome a family awesome. member <laughs> uh, nice so a light is coming up from the ground after a really intense few seconds of rumbling a loud bang and then the blue light just slowly starts to ascend from the ground i mean i don't i don't know if i want to tie it back in so early but I, I almost want to tie this in as a, like a scene as maybe a good thing to your, I believe it was your number nine, where the world completely loses all sunlight. And so oh, sure. let's just throw more chaos into this wacky world and say this is a city that um, in a normal world, maybe this would be like seen as like, well, we can't live here anymore. This is ridiculous. But now you have people coming to the city because this is almost like the the closest they're going to get again to a sunrise, right? Like this, sure. this bright orb rising and then lowering. And so you have, um, maybe it's like even a small village that this happens at or a natural landmark and the city even builds itself around it, uh, to be able to enjoy this. Cause that, I mean, we, you know, we'd have to figure out like, so how long does this light stay in the sky? Does it stay in the sky for a full day's time? Is it like a couple minute thing? Like those, those things change how people would react to it. And the big bang could simply be your alarm clock going off in the morning. <laughs> so everybody's up for the sunrise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Instead of the rooster crowing, oh, the earth just shook again. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I still want that little kid to come out again. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking I was like tying, tying it in somehow. <laughs> again, it just goes back to the idea that someone's doing something and you need to get under where you are to figure out what's going on. Um, and sometimes I like the idea of it not being 
malintent because I, I I think that obviously makes for more nuance and more discussion. Sure, it's not someone being evil and then you, then you just stop them. It's someone trying to do something good that has these ill effects. Well, does the and person not even know that the the things are happening? Yeah. And it's just hap- like it's something that they have to do every single day. They whether they're below the ground or whatever it is, they don't know that because of the thing that they're doing is creating this effect above them to this city. Yeah. And so you have to go down and like, hey, can you please move? <laughs> or like, no, I have to do this right here. Or is it like a shrine of some sort that like below the ground there's a civilization that is worshiping, and every morning they have this ritual that they have to do. And it just so happens that this town is right above where it has to happen. And it, so it shakes the entire ground, and then there's this blue light that pops up every morning. It's the inverse of a fact. noisy apartment being upstairs. You just got one downstairs uh, for your city. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, neighbors. like what if there's like a wizard that is – it's like an experiment, and this wizard lives in the Underdark, and they don't, they don't know that this is happening above the surface every time that they're – trying to figure out this new magic spell, or it is some sort of creature that is trying to escape uh, from inside the earth, and this this orb is this manifestation of whatever spell it's casting, um, and so maybe it's just a visual aspect of it. So with that, we're finally here. Chris, what is your number one idea? Ooh. All right, so my number one is this. The gods want to hold a god's tournament. And so they send envoys of messengers throughout the entire world. Not just to hold a god's tournament, but the god's tournament prize is that the person that wins for each of the gods, so there's individual tournaments for each god, will become a demigod that serves that god. That's fantastic. I love this idea so much. <laughs> and I'm and I'm thinking, I'm I'm wondering to myself, has Chris seen Dragon Ball Super yet? Because I have not. I a little bit. I a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I'm like, oh man, that I could use that as inspiration for this this cool idea. But man, that's. I mean, I mean, there you go. That there's your your players are signing up for that tournament, right? And like maybe totally maybe like part of that tournament your is team battles, and the very at the very end of that. It's like, yeah, but there can only be one, so uh, it's time for you guys to fight each other and see who ascends, and then you have a PC becoming a god. <laughs> that, oh my gosh, that'd be so cool for your players. So I recently was re-watching Naruto, because sometimes I just need something on, and <laughs> I need to learn your running. Yep. Yeah, you need to learn your yeah. running form again. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was going to go to Area 51, but I knew I didn't have the right skills. Planning for this year's upcoming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they start out, so part of their exam, basically, to become a stronger ninja, if you will, is they start out with their three-person team. They go through a trial, but then in the end, yeah, they are totally just matched up one-on-one through a tournament to see if they have enough skill to go to that next level. So that would be a really interesting thing is even if it's the second half of a campaign. And so your party enters this tournament together, but then it breaks down and they have to start battling one-on-one. Yeah. Well, the idea that I had was like, why are they wanting to create demigods? Like, what's the reason behind that if they've never had them before? Are they worried about something happening? And so that's why they're creating some of these demigods. Are they scared for their lives and they need 
uh, more reinforcements? Like, what? Why are they creating the demigods? Is the interesting question I think to flush out for uh, a GM that maybe the players won't know because they just get so infatuated with the idea of like, oh well, well duh, yeah, I want to be a demigod. That sounds awesome, man. I feel like we could have a whole episode on this. No, I, I'm. I think you chose well for your number one. This is such a cool idea. Like, because to me, like now I'm going. All right, so is ascending to a demigod a thing that happens as your final like reward for winning the tournament or is everyone in the tournament as they progress through this tournament are they becoming more and more close to becoming a demigod and like mm-hmm. there will only be one one winner and maybe one survivor so but uh, as you progress along you get new powers and maybe you like are rewarded a weapon created by the gods or something like that and so your your pcs are constantly like leveling up but also being granted different demigod powers as they go uh that to me would be like a really cool aspect to it but only one person will survive this and be able to keep these powers oh and that's an interesting thing like yeah i i think if if one person's only able to survive your players have to kill each other potentially. And like how after, if you do it at the end of an adventure, like how hard is that for your players to do? Like that could be, that could be really, really hard for your players to enter into. Yeah. And I mean, it definitely starts and finishes. This isn't really the kind of campaign that then has the second arc, but I love that idea. Like you already have a built in epilogue of, that one PC transcending and maybe they don't die. Maybe they know that they'll be put back where they were and have no idea. Or they don't know that going before going into it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what happens when you exit. It's just like, well, just back to back to normal. And you know that that person didn't win, but nobody else, like none of the other players that are still competing in the tournament know that that happened. I've talked about this before. I really like my my gods to be flawed, and I feel like this is the prime opportunity to like show like some really terrible flaws in your pantheon if this is what you want to do. Because as much as like we're talking about this and we're like, oh man, this would be cool. Like I, <laughs> I'm thinking about the Rick and Morty episode with the Cromulons, the floating heads oh, that sure. come to like watch sure. over the Earth, and they're like, all right, mm, perform yeah. a talent show for us. Or we'll destroy show your planet. Show me what you got. <laughs> show me what you got. Um, but like, I imagine, like, what if like the gods all of a sudden just appear in the sky, like sitting on their thrones, looking down upon your world, and like, so now, like, that's that's a normal thing in your in your world. You're looking up at the gods, and uh, maybe this tournament lasts for like a hundred years or something, and this is the site you look up to see. And so, like, you have like the local farmer, like this is their day. They look up and they see the gods. But the tournament, the place that the tournament is held is the entire world. And so every single person who wants to enter can enter and fight for this. And it's almost like these gods are just using this, your mortal plane for almost like a, yeah, like a a surviving, a survivor to the death TV show, reality show. And they're just loving every second of it and they come in and throw in little twists like well guess what uh we really liked this person and so by by vote of the gods we're bringing them back from the dead for a second chance like (laughs) yeah it could you could put like this disgustingly dark twist on like reality tv for this tournament yeah 
I mean, that that brings back like I mean, you think about Roman history, like people would sponsor gladiators, mm-hmm. and like could the yeah. could the human or could the immortals become like celebrities to the gods? Who the gods are then sponsoring, and are they taking them aside and training them in some ways, different techniques, and like yeah, is there illegal interference from the gods? Like they're they're like use magic and send them like gifts that like that's not part of the rules, and so maybe there's this head honcho god that like set the rules, but every other god they're all just flawed, and so like every single mm. one of them is like yeah, we're gonna we're gonna take a risk and throw throw them a sword of like complete destruction or something like that sure and so well, but then i <laughs> yeah i think too like what if what if some gods get caught interfering like that mm-hmm. is that the reason that a god's war starts aka a massive spear comes yeah. hurtling to the ground because they tried to throw it at somebody yes. and then like the gods wars start because of this tournament that was originally intended to just be fun for the gods but then just devolves into something that is terrible for all existence gods included in that and what if you and what if with these careless gods there's a price to pay every time you accept one of their gifts or their powers like that this idea of destruction happening every single time so uh maybe your pcs are fighting in the tournament they're all about it they're totally in it and then they get granted these god weapons and they go to fight this other person who is a another person in the tournament but by throwing down that god sword it destroys everything in the area including all the local farmers in the area and their their cattle and their like everything and there's this moment of like oh man is the adventure now still to continue in this tournament or is the adventure to try to figure out how to stop this tournament, which I mean is pretty, that's a pretty crazy thing to have your PCs yeah. try to do, but why not? It's D and D let your PCs do whatever they do want. Just about anything. Yep. Yeah. Also, obviously one of the players, family members was one of the farmers. <laughs> Good job. <Mitch>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did it. <laughs> we did it. But there it is. Chris, those are your top 10. So fantastic. Woo! Glad to be back and give them. Yes. I'm sure all of our listeners are super pumped to have you back, to have you spewing out top 10s once again. If uh, our listeners would like to write in, maybe they want to uh, give further ideas on some of Chris's top 10s or they have top 10s of their own they'd like to share with us. Neil, where can they get in touch with us at? As always, you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. We would also really love your feedback in the form of a five-star review in whatever podcast app you use. So go on there, leave us a review. We'll be sure to find it and share the love on the podcast in a future episode. If you want updates about the show, you can follow us on Twitter at DMS underscore block. That's at DMs block. Or you can like our Facebook page. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like DMnastics, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, Detentions and Dragons, and more. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. 
Adios, amigos. Good night and good luck. And keep on dungeon mastering. Boom. visual aspect of it all right i gotta go take care of my cats i'll be back go for it he's gonna take care of them take care of him he's gonna take him outside <laughs> literally literally Li- ah just... litter litter really oh <laughs> hey. not my, my not my intent <laughs> or your malintent i don't really know yeah who knows? who knows papa play with us play with us you can always email us at Dungeon Dolph. Wait. Oh, no. I, I started how- something no, no, no. terrible. <laughs> but this episode's coming you out first, the- so Neil's the one that gets to look like he's the one that messes it all up <laughs> but, for everybody else. But you did. Oh, you yeah, did, that's Honestly, true. I messed up because I started laughing at how bad you messed up last <laughs> I know, time. I the, know. I know. The, I have to say I'm saying the. Why do I keep saying the? The. The. Uh, the. <laughs> Goodbye.